as we're going to look at this morning, has been sent to and entered into the world. Charles Spurgeon said of Jesus, the birth of Jesus is the grandest light of history. Um, Was then as it is even today and will be for all eternity. So let's begin by reading in Luke chapter 2 verse 1. As it says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Heavenly Father, this is good news of great joy. Lord, this is what had been prophesied from the very mouths of the ones whom you sent Lord, your prophets of old. But yet, Lord, it was a plan that you had established and set forth from the foundations of the earth. And Lord, you have fulfilled it in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I ask that you would bless our time together in your word. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to give you our undivided attention. And Lord, that we would be reminded of your goodness, your mercy, your love, your grace. And Lord, what you have delivered us from by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Lord, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so we thank you, Lord, for he is truly a gift, the gift, Lord, that has delivered us from eternal damnation. And given us the hope of heaven. And so we thank you for this time. We thank you for this moment. We ask your blessing and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, Charles Spurgeon said, The birth of Jesus is the grandest light of history. The birth of Jesus is the arrival of God's promise of redemption. What we have is the recorded History of Jesus' birth. You know, the world likes to twist God's word and um, make it the, the Bible to be uh, somewhat of a fairy tale. It's something that you believe and yet it has no substance whatsoever. Uh, those words come from the mouth of someone who is ignorant, who, who has actually not looked into the recorded events that are found not only in the Word of God, but also in extra-biblical writings. It isn't a myth. It isn't wishful thinking. It is not a story that was embellished upon to make people feel momentarily good for a season, because this is, for the most part, a portion of Scripture... That is very familiar to the time around the end of the year, December. 
we acknowledge the birth of baby Jesus. In fact, he, he came to testify of the truth. And he came as a servant to fulfill, to accomplish the will of the Father. And the will of the Father was to crush him for you and I. For his blood to be shed on the cross. You see, you and I didn't have the capacity. We didn't have the ability to save ourselves. Because none is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he provided himself a sacrifice. A savior. This is indeed the recorded story of the son of God whose birth was foretold of by the old prophets and planned by God before the foundation of the world. To extend to you and I his right hand of grace. The forgiveness of our sin, the redemption that we could not earn, could not gain any other way. Eternal salvation is only found in Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. God's promise of a Redeemer is finally here. Uh, This is good news of great joy. Today, especially, people need to hear and know that God has sent a Savior and His name is Jesus. Savior, the Messiah, has no other name. He hasn't given that position or that work to anyone here on earth except for, except for the one that he sent. And so as we look at this chapter, we, of course, go back to the time of Jesus' birth in a little town of Bethlehem, which is outside of Jerusalem. In that day, Rome ruled and Caesar Augustus was in power and he ordered that a census be taken to tax people more accurately. When we think of Christmas, when we think of that time that we normally acknowledge this portion of scripture in the birth of Jesus Christ, we always see it portrayed as a quiet and peaceful night, right? All was well. All was perfect. I mean, perhaps we even think about that time that Joseph and Mary were in the, in the stable, right? We think, man, it must have been so peaceful, so just, so everything was wonderful at that time. Just Joseph, Mary, Jesus in a cute little manger with a few animals around But brothers and sisters, that, that's not reality. That's not actually what was going on in that day. The world at that time, especially the world under the rule of the Roman Empire, 
and leading up to this very moment was filled with this. War, destruction, wickedness, immorality, depravity, all of those things. The world was murderous, heartless, sadistic, corrupt, vile. It was depraved. In other words, it was full of sin. Will Durant in Caesar and Christ, a story of civilization, wrote this, quote, The lusty peninsula was worn out with 20 years of civil war. Its farms had been neglected. Its towns had been sacked or besieged. Much of its wealth had been stolen or destroyed. Administration and protection had broken down. Robbers made every street unsafe at night. Highwaymen roamed the roads, kidnapped travelers, and sold them into slavery. Trade diminished, investment stood still, interest rates soared, property values fell. God, it sounds like today. <laughs> Morals, which had been loosened by riches and luxury, had not been improved by destitution and chaos. For few conditions are more demoralizing than poverty that comes after wealth. Rome was full of men who had lost their economic footing and then their moral stability. Soldiers who had tasted adventure and had learned to kill. Citizens who had seen their savings consumed in the taxes and inflation of war and waited vacuously for some returning tide to lift them back to affluence. Women dizzy with freedom, multiplying divorces, abortions, and adulteries. Close quote. Was it a quiet and peaceful world that the Father sent the Son into? Absolutely not. For Rome, Augustus was the authority that brought about order and prosperity. In fact, it was uh, through him that we know the beginning of Pax Romana. It was 200 years in which we know the start of it was with Augustus and the end of it was with Marcus Aurelius. That facilitated actually, and think about this, because it was during this time, during those 200 years, and Jesus just so happens to arrive on scene at the beginning of Pax Romana, that it was this period of time that facilitated the spread of ideas and religion throughout the whole world. Coincidence? Absolutely not. God's providence? Absolutely. His timing? Perfect. It was a time when the gospel could spread swiftly, and it did. Yes, the people were hoping for improvement, though, a savior that would save them from tyrannical government. And so they looked to a better government as the answer. A person, someone who would bring them to a place of perceived freedom. Perhaps you can relate to that right now. As times get tougher, and they will, we have been warned of that. We have been told of that. We have been prepared well for that. Where, where is your answer to all of these problems? Where does it lie? In whom does it lie? Kenneth Scott Latourette said this, quote, 
Augustus and his successors had not solved the basic problems of the Mediterranean world. They had obscured them. For what appeared to be a failure in government, they had substituted more government, and government was not the answer, close quote. And so they were, they were looking for, they were desiring someone. In fact, even now, Israel... Israel is still looking for a political savior. Um, Their eyes are veiled. They do not see Jesus for who he is. There are many who came to faith and many who didn't. And so the world was far from being peaceful and quiet in this day. But even in the midst of all of this turmoil, all of this filth, all of this depravity, Jesus was sent for the redemption of the world so that by his shed blood, people would know the peace that surpasses all understanding. This is why the Father sent him. After all, it is the cesspool of sinful humanity that Jesus was sent to redeem. To reconcile to all who believe. So this morning consider why Jesus was sent by God into such a place and for such a people. You and I. His desire was that God and sinners. As a hymn says. As the song says be reconciled. Right? As we think about this we ought to stop. We ought to meditate. On the very fact that God sent his son to die in our place and to pay for our sins. And as we do, we think about just how much God loves us, the depth of his love for us. That's what actually draws us unto him. It's his kindness. It's his mercy. It's his love. It's his long suffering. You need to think about that more often. His faithfulness. Well, it was in this world and at this time that Joseph, being from Bethlehem, went there with Mary. They were taking part in the census. They were there to be registered because he was of the house and lineage of David. This was a a word that God had actually given and prophesied about. That the Messiah would come from the lineage of David. And so it was. Let's read again in verse 4. It says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him In swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So the first thing that we're going to look at is the fact that, as it says in Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born. Um, Hypostatic union. It uh, it addresses the, um, the both the deity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. Jesus is fully, was fully man as he is fully God. 
he didn't do away with his deity, but he humbled himself and took the form of a man. Just truly remarkable. But a child is born speaks of the humanity of Jesus Christ. You see, he was born of a virgin. And so we see the account of Jesus' birth here. Joseph and Mary had traveled 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That's a long way. You know, um, there are, uh, what are they called, ultra runners? Is that what the, these guys that run like 250 miles? Have you seen that? That's truly amazing. 250 miles. You thought a marathon was hard. 26.2 miles. That's nothing compared to 250 miles. Spending over 100 hours running. Just running. 200, think about the 250 miles. How far is that? It's like from here to Yuma? About there, right? That's a long ways. Here to, I don't know, Solvang? What is it? Three quarters. So going towards like San Francisco? My goodness. Yeah, it's a long ways. Ensenada. That's a long ways, right? Can you imagine walking that? It's like, hey. And then with men, with an expecting wife, right? That would be, you'd have to care for her. How uncomfortable would that be? But listen to this. Also keep in mind that Mary was with child. Joseph had not known her. And there was, there was a lot of talk happening in Nazareth. I, I want you to think about this because God uses certain things sometimes to kind of prod us to, to move in certain directions for the sake of fulfilling his will, what he wants for us. We know that the census brought them to Bethlehem. But perhaps they were encouraged to travel 80 miles because of the word that was spreading about Mary being with child and yet she hadn't known her husband. Not everyone understood, right? Not everyone knew. We don't know, but just keep in mind these things sometimes prod us and make us uncomfortable to kind of step out of our comfort zone and move in a direction that God has laid out for us to travel. Well, God promised a sign that the Messiah had arrived. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, that is Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means 
God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph, as we know, was told by the angel that Mary conceived this child miraculously from the Holy Spirit, as we just read. Mary did not know man, and Joseph believed and did what he was told. This takes great faith, not fully understanding, not fully knowing and comprehending what was communicated to him, and yet he did just as he was told. He was a just man. He was a man of integrity. And he was taking care of Mary. Mary believed. Joseph believed. Elizabeth believed. That is John the Baptist's mom and, and Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. As we went over that last week, in all of this, that led up to the birth of Christ in Bethlehem, all of that was in fulfillment of prophecy, God's word. As the angel brought forth word to Zechariah, to Mary, and so it was. But now the Savior had been born. God had raised up a horn of salvation. Emmanuel, God with us, the sign that God had foretold of had come to be. It's amazing to consider the fact that God took the form of a serpent. A uh, serpent. <laughs> wow, wrong one. Yeah. The form. You speak long enough and you do stuff like that. No, it's amazing that God took the form of a servant. A servant. As it says in Philippians 2 7, being born in the likeness of men. And as we read here, and, and as we know, as, as the people gathered together in various parts of the Roman Empire, those, those places became packed with people. It, it was full. In fact, we know as Jesus, as Mary and Joseph came, there was no room for them in the inn. And so he was laid in a feeding trough for animals. They believed that he was born actually in this, this overhang. So it was kind of like a cave. And this was a, a formation that was used to house animals. To protect them. And in there, they would set up these troughs. Uh, to care for the animals. To feed them. And it was in one of these troughs that they laid Jesus in. So you think about the environment that he was that he came into, came into a dark and disgusting world. Walked among sinful humanity and was eventually nailed to a cross. But that's what he came for. To pay in full for the sins that we have committed that, that we may know salvation. God's grace and love realized only in Jesus Christ. So unto us a child is born, just as we had been told, just as it had been foretold. We also 
know that a son is given. Verse 8 says, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So thinking about the, um, the shepherds. By the way, shepherds in that day were, were very much despised. Uh, in fact, they considered them to be untrustworthy. They couldn't testify in a court of law. They, their, their testimony, their witness was not accepted. And so this is the lowest of the low in society. And yet, we have this contrast demonstrated to us as word came through an angel of the Lord to declare to them the glory of God and the arrival of the Son of God. These men were out in the field caring for the lambs that were commonly known to be used in temple sacrifice. God provided himself a sacrifice, and Jesus was the one that was wrapped in swaddling cloths. In other words, he wasn't, um, he wasn't dressed in a nice robe and nice clothes in a onesie. He was wrapped in just strips of cloth. Talk about a humble entrance. He was first wrapped in swaddling cloths and One day he would be wrapped in grave clothes. But it was a glorious day, nonetheless. You see, God brought the good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you, you and you and you and you and each one of you, each one of us, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So we first see this good news of great joy. Salvation had come. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen? Great news. Right? Good news of great joy. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Good news of great joy. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Good news of great joy. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Good news of great joy. This is what was being proclaimed, declared, communicated to the shepherds out in the field. At one point, not only will the shepherds 
be notified of the birth of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. But weren't there some other men that were notified, that were led by a star? Wise men. It's interesting how it is that God not, not only communicated this to the lowest of lowest of people in society, but also to those who had place and prominence and authority and wealth. Both came and worshipped the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Both acknowledged him for who he was and who he is. Good news of great joy. Well, this is for all people, not just for some. For God so loved the world. This is for all people. The angel declared that this was good news of great joy that will be for all the people, all the nations. So this kind of, even this, even the declaration, even this communicated to the shepherds kind of blows out of the water. The Calvinist doctrine, this theology that he only died for the elect or for the church. No, his shed blood as we observed communion this morning. We um, declare his death, which through, by, by through, by which... Through that death, we have the remission of our sins. We have the forgiveness of our sins. And it was for all people, for God so loved the world. And this communicated to the shepherds, this alone just by itself knocks down and completely breaks down that false doctrine. This is good news for everyone. The thief on the cross. I wonder what his theology was. What was it? Um, Have you heard of, um, and this is false, you have to speak in tongues in order to have the evidence of salvation. I wonder if the thief spoke in tongues, just to, to prove it, right? How about baptism? No, not that. He... He didn't come down off the cross for baptism. It kind of starts to knock down some, some things that some, some false practices and false beliefs, you know, some of these churches stand on. He didn't serve him really a day in his life. He didn't do anything for him. Why? Because simple belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to die for us, is it. For all people. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We know 2 Peter 3.9 very well. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, that all should reach repentance. The birth of Jesus would not be good news of great joy for all the people if it were only for some. Today all can rejoice in the Savior whose sacrifice is sufficient for all. Do you believe? So this is the good news of great joy. And then God gave a sign as he said he would. You see, the miraculous conception of Mary was the sign. 
that he had promised. And all the things we've learned regarding Joseph and Mary, Elizabeth and Zechariah, all signs of God's faithfulness is what it points to. The fulfillment of God's word according to the details of God's word. Perfectly. Remember this. You know, sometimes we're constantly looking for signs, direction. Oh, Lord, give me direction. When we fail to open up God's word and see the direction that he's already given to us. The signs that he's already laid out. You don't need to look for new signs regarding God and his word. In fact, just know and pay attention to the word he's provided. He is faithful to his word and he'll, he'll never contradict his word. He'll, he'll always bring it about. As the people in that day were looking for a political and social savior. We also need to take into account that mankind does not need another advisor, not another counselor, not another social reformer, and definitely not another committee. God sent his son, the savior, to redeem mankind. We need eternal redemption. That is only known through Jesus Christ. Good news of great joy. God wanted them to know that what he sent the angel to declare was true. He opened up the heavens and gave them a glimpse of heaven, praising God. Can you imagine this? I mean, Ray kind of pointed to the fact that what's happening now and has been and always will be around the throne of God. Can you imagine like at this very moment... God just supernaturally just opening up the roof right here and giving us a glimpse of, he- of heaven. He did this with the shepherds. He opened up the heavens and gave them a glimpse of what heaven was doing, praising God. And he also described who they would find and where they would find him in the description of him as well, wrapped in swaddling cloths. At this point, they could just go look. And they'll see Jesus exactly where and how this angel described him. A child is born. A son is given. And God is with us, Emmanuel. Verse 15 It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So the shepherds hurried. I mean, what they experienced and what they saw and, you know, what they were told, all of that. They were moved. They they wanted to go and, and see this for themselves. And they did. They hurried. And they found Jesus just as they were told. 
That night, the shepherds looked into the eyes of the one who was born to save them, to reconcile them unto the Father. That night, as we read, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the one that was in the trough and was being held, was being cared for by her, was the one who would one day be held on the cross with nails, piercing his hands and his feet, that she also may know salvation and be reconciled unto the Father. Mary needed salvation just as anyone else did. Because there's only one that is perfect and blameless. In fact, we know that Mary had other sons and daughters. Two of them we know and we have writings from in Scripture. But she had, she had sons and daughters She needed salvation. In fact, we are reminded for Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. As the angel had brought news of her conceiving Jesus, she acknowledged him for who he was. A child is born, a son is given. Fully man, fully God, God with us. An indescribable gift, the the indescribable gift. It's amazing that word came, that it happened just just as God had foretold. Just as he said, the humble shepherds, well, they were filled with awe. And they couldn't hold it in. In fact, as we read, they went and spread the news. To everyone that they could possibly tell. And, and everyone who heard it. Well they, they wondered at what the shepherds had told them. They were in amazement. They were in awe. They thought about these things. They marveled. It had happened just as it was told to them by the angel. And this, this is what they communicated to everyone who would lend them their ear. Mary, well, she thought deeply about all that had taken place. Perhaps thinking about the things leading up to that very moment. And how everything had come together. Things that she was told. And now had come about. You ever do that? You read through scripture and you realize, oh God, you are so faithful. You're so good. The things that you have laid out in scripture and the things that I have walked out, well, they have been just as you have said. Well, the people were looking for a savior. But God had provided himself a savior. You see, in verse 21, it says, And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Jesus, the meaning of Jesus is Yahweh saves, or Yahweh is salvation. Emmanuel, God with us. God provided himself a sacrifice. 
God is our deliverer, our savior. This was indeed good news of great joy. And that day, just as it is today, um, may we have that excitement. You know, as we think about and we perhaps acknowledge both the group of shepherds that were out in the field and we have Mary and how she was pondering it and meditating on, thinking deeply about what had just transpired, the things that she had been told and then come about. And the shepherds, how it is that not only were they told who it was that was in that stable, in that trough, but how the heavens opened up and they saw the heavenly host praising God. And then they went and saw just as they were told. They were excited. Good news of great joy for all people. Are you excited about your faith? Are you excited, filled with hope, knowing that you possess salvation by grace because of the faith that you have expressed in Jesus Christ? I, I hope and pray that you are excited. Someone at least a hallelujah. Is that? Amen. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Is this good news of great joy to you? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to, get to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in is uh, condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. If you're here this morning and you have not surrendered your life to Christ, have not believed on him as your Savior, uh, this is... Um, this is known in your own life uh, as you uh, have uh, fruit that is produced not by your own works, not by your own efforts, but simply because you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, simply because you come to know salvation in Christ, and you, you have a completely different perspective of life, you have a new hope. You know that you belong to Jesus Christ. You have a, a new heart. You're a new creature in Christ. I pray that for anyone who does not know that. That this morning would be the, the day of salvation for you. That you would surrender your heart to Christ. Completely. You don't have to know everything. The only thing that you need to know, just and I pointed to the thief on the cross, just for anyone who thinks, man, I, I need to gain a greater understanding of who he is in order for me to know salvation. You don't. You don't. What did the thief know? And what was he told? Today you will be with me in paradise, is what he was told. He entered into paradise as, as Jesus died. This man, this thief on the cross... Entered into paradise. What about you? 
What about you? Time is short. Time is truly short. I know we say this from the pulpit all the time. Pastors say this. But it is true. Do you think tomorrow's promised to you? I, I pray that if I don't make it to tomorrow, that in that time of my, I don't know, service, in, in, in people gathered together, that is simply the gospel that's declared, that's proclaimed, that is made known to all people. Because per, per, perhaps that would be a reminder to everyone that tomorrow is not promised to anyone. And I'll say it time and time again. How do you know? I do not want you to spend eternity in hell. Some of you are playing with hell. Some of you are playing with life, thinking that you have all the time in the world. Well, you don't. You have no idea when you are going to breathe your last here. I am not coercing you. This is my heart that I'm sharing with you. This is good news of great joy. Please stop. And just turn to Christ. There's one thief that went to hell for all eternity. The other, he was home. If you're compromising, if you're think that you have another moment just know this know this Jesus said I am the way and the truth and life no one comes to the father except through me there's no other way the most loving thing that you could be told is the direction to take to go somewhere right it would be horrible right it would be something else to be given directions to some other place you could go whichever way you want to go you'll probably get there It's not, it's not true as it pertains to heaven. Jesus is the only way. Acts 4.12 says there's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. None is righteous, no, not one. And so we need a Savior because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can all admit that. We can all agree with that, right? In some way, we've, we've lied, we've stolen, we've thought thoughts that are, are impure. That, that's all an offense to God. And, and what that does is it makes us guilty of sin and therefore separates us from God. But our Redeemer has come. But God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. For all who call upon the Lord will be saved. Is today the day of salvation for you? Again, I, 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 don't, I don't want you to complicate this. Salvation has been done 